it's not so bad to the point where doctors and dermatologists are saying, whoa, we need to like really be careful with this, but it's enough that like, I'm, I'm of the mindset and I know you are too. It's like, if we have, if we can question the safety of something, if we have concerns over, you know, whether or not this may lead to an increased risk of skin cancer, which is something that ret- retinol, crazy. topical retinol use has been um, linked to, you know, if there's another alternative that we can use that is safer, like why not do that, you know? You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by a nutritional therapist, Cassie Knavel, and professional esthetician and makeup artist, Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Rebel Heart Radio. We're so glad you're here. This is going to be a great episode. Better get your, if you have glasses, put them on because we're going to nerd out this whole episode. It's going to be so fantastic. (laughs) I'm joined today by the wonderful Amanda Torres. Hello. Hi. We're so glad you're here, too. Yeah. So excited to be a guest again. Had so much fun the first time. I know. We honestly, I think that we would probably talk more often if there was more time in a day. (laughs) Yes. There's always so much to talk about. Like whenever we don't get a chance to talk too often, but when we do, a lot of times it's back and forth on Voxer and there's just so much to say. So I'm really glad that we have this chance to like slow down for a second and really like record the conversation. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about Amanda. She is the creator of the food and wellness website, The Curious Coconut. And I know I say this a lot, but I love that name. It's just the coolest name, Curious Coconut. And she's the best-selling author of Latin American Paleo Cooking and her fast and flavorful paleo cooking cookbook due to release this coming March 2020. Yay. Oh, it's <laughs> so exciting. I know. And her professional background is as a neuroscientist, and she worked for more than a decade in biomedical research, which is why she's here. So you'll find plenty of fascinating science tidbits in all of her work. She is the lead researcher for the online fertility, pregnancy, and parented program, Baby Making and Beyond. So I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Um, so we're going to talk all about anti-aging specific to like some of the research that you've been finding. I actually, this this conversation was inspired by your post that you wrote on your website. Like I loved like combing through all the information you had about the specific ingredients that we're finding in the market these days and what that means for our skin. I mean, how long did it take you to write that article? Oh, it was, it was a lot of work. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it was like 40 hours of easy <laughs> because a lot of it was reading in the scientific literature and that is not mm-hmm. fast. It's not fast no. to do a, a, a lit review. Um, mm-hmm. and not that my post is like necessarily a 100% comprehensive lit review. Cause I'm not like literally writing a review paper to be published in a peer reviewed journal. You know what I mean? Like, right. But I, I spent a lot of time, um, just 
getting information and and seeing what we do know, what we don't know, what's interesting. And I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it means I can read something in, you know, one sitting versus doing 40 hours of reading because like I've been there too. Like when you want to get that scientific info and you want to be really thorough it's not just, oh, let's, it's not like high school research papers where you read a couple <laughs> papers and then pump out some like, I mean, you're like digging yeah. and you're trying to connect dots through scientific findings and making sure that things are, this the study was legit, like they did a good job with it. Like, it's just, there's a lot yeah. to talk about. Well, and reading <laughs> scientific papers, I mean, sciences, you know, the language that it, they're written in, it's, it's demanding on your brain. Like, I'm mm-hmm. trained for it. I, I can do it, but it's I have it's it's not like reading a you know fiction like a <laughs> it's, it's a murder mystery <laughs> right it's not like that you got to really concentrate and sometimes you got to go back and say wait a second what did I just read <laughs> yeah for real oh gosh it's giving me flashbacks to college okay. <laughs> like, <sighs> but I I'm really grateful because I really value that information uh, which is honestly like the beginning of my non toxic clean ingredient journey was I was I just decided all right I'm gonna have to do I'm gonna have to do the digging because I can't find this information readily and I don't really trust the information that I'm getting so I'm gonna go to the science yeah (laughs) and so I know how important it can be to have that information available and so to be able to make it more easily to digest and to understand is like everything yeah so so let's talk a little bit about, I want to know more about like what you know and what you've learned about like anti-aging. I know with my background, that's kind of my jam. That's where I'm at. Like I love talking about anti-aging and like what's going on with our skin. But um, I kind of wanted to start with like some of the things that we're seeing with our skin, like as far as like what's what's happening to our skin as we age? Like what's the most important things that we need to keep in mind? So I think the thing about anti-aging that's important to know is like what structures in our skin that we're talking about because a lot of times with anti-aging you hear words like collagen you hear words like you know cell turnover rate you hear things I mean I think collagen is a huge one because we hear we most people know that their collagen breaks down as they get older but it's like why why is that happening because you can't just slap like collagen peptides on your skin and fix it right you know (laughs) it's like that doesn't that's not really a thing but honestly when you look at marketing there's like lipsticks and mascaras out there that are like infused with collagen and I'm like so (laughs) yeah I'm like what is that that's not doing it anyway so I wanted to make sure that there's a little bit of understanding around like what's going on with our skin so like in our structures we have things and I'm going to talk about some things that are I want to make sure we have some like terminology down so that way this makes sense so if you hear me talk about things like fibroblasts So fibroblasts, they're a type of cell that makes collagen and structural framework in the tissue, especially can be critical in like wound healing and things like that. So fibroblasts are kind of the workhorses in our skin and they're doing a lot of creation. Um, You're also going to hear me talk about things like collagen. If you don't know what that is, it's a protein that provides like a type of scaffolding for strength and structure in the skin. Um, Typically, you're going to be hearing me talk about collagen as far as like collagen synthesis, like how it's being made and where it's being made. Um, We also have things like glands in our skin. So we have like sweat glands. We have sebum glands, like oil. We have like nerve endings and hair follicles. Like all these things live within our skin. But when you start to talk about like aging, it's like, well, how, how are we aging? A lot of that has to do with 
we get wrinkles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really what that's talking about is wrinkles and how the skin feels. I find that there's more to anti-aging than most people talk about because like fine lines is definitely a huge part of aging, but it's also texture of the skin, quality of the water content in our skin. Is our moisture barrier intact? You know, if you haven't heard me talk about a moisture barrier in our skin, that is the kind of process in your skin of oil and water and how it works together because ultimately that's what our skin is our skin is a protection to the outside world right yeah and there's a reason why it's epithelial tissue meaning it like turns over like it's constantly changing and turning over because it constantly needs that renewal to keep that protection and kind of keep that tight laced like skin moisture barrier because really that's what keeps us safe from uv rays pollution free radicals uh, any stressors that are happening in our environment is our, our skin gets the brunt of that. And so that turnover is really important to keep renewing. So when our skin starts to age, it's really we get a breakdown of collagen and collagen. If you heard me talk about that is um, part of that structural integrity and meaning like it keeps it from being so like flat and it keeps. So as we age, we start to get those these ridges, whereas when we're, you know, children, it's relatively smooth surface if we were looking at our skin from like a, a, a really close up standpoint. But as we age, we start to get kind of like hills and valleys and because the structure below that's holding up the skin, like the collagen, is starting to break down. And we know that that happens, but there's also things like hyaluronic acid that's being created through fibroblasts. It's it's a process there but the fibroplasts are part of that hyaluronic acid creation and that helps bind water in our cells and that is super important because that's what starts to break down as we age is that water binding starts to kind of stop happening and so we have dehydration in our cells which creates like flatter skin cells but it's never even which is part of that like hill and valley process in our skin and if we don't have the fibroblasts also, because that starts to decrease, our fibroblasts kind of die off as we get older. They just don't last, you know, eternity. They kind of have a life and then they stop working. And then what happens is, is that we get a decrease in collagen formation. And, and actually, there's this really interesting study that I read about that there's a 68% decrease in collagen formation in, in between 80-year-old women and like the 18 to 29-year-old category. 68%. Yeah, that's huge. No wonder we look older. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And we can't stop it. I mean, you know, like I said, fibroblasts, they only have a certain amount of life. So, but there's also things like um, tone of the skin. So like pigmentation, because as we get older, that the melanocytes that create the pigmentation in our skin start to either dysfunction or they get overstimulated and they stay kind of on because they've been overstimulated by like stressors, like UV rays and things like that. And they will produce, so that's like age spots, yeah. you know, the liver spots that you hear people talk about. And sometimes that's also why um, it's difficult to get rid of freckles as we get older it's also why if you ever hear anyone talk about melasma melasma is the pregnancy mask you hear people talk about or sometimes it'll be like a butterfly shape on the face like right in the center um that is a stimulation of the melanocytes usually through hormones and it becomes kind of a dysfunction that happens it just keeps being stimulated but that can happen through age as well so we've got tone that we're working with we've got 
We've got hydration in the cells that we're working with. We need cell turnover rate to have that healthy effect. And then we also need to try and help the collagen synthesis in our skin or at least take the pressure off so our skin can like it doesn't get overworked because the fibroblasts will die essentially in that time. So there's just so much going on. And that's just the chronological part of aging. It's like the stuff we that's happening. You know, yeah, you're going to get older. I mean, there's so many other factors to it that are environmental. And I mean, this is something I think you and I talked about when we were in the Gua Sha episode where we were talking about all the things that we can do yeah. in our lifestyle and how to protect ourselves. But there's things like uh, UV rays are going to absolutely affect I mean, we've seen the evidence. You see the side by sides. You see the the twins side by side of one that does sun ex- sun exposure and the one that uses SPF, and they look very different in age. You know, we know that UV rays really age us. There's also reactive oxygen species, or more, more commonly known as free radicals. I would love to know, like, what do you know? What what are free radicals? So free radicals. To really simplify it, it's basically referring to a molecule that's missing an electron. And so what that means is that it's unstable and it's kind of desperately seeking stability. So it's going to steal from something else. And so like in your body, that leads to oxidative damage. And there's actually the free radical theory of aging, which um, is basically centered on that, you know, free radical damage over time is a significant contributor to all of the signs and symptoms of aging. Basically. I believe it. Mm-hmm. hundred percent. I, my understanding around free radical is that they just kind of wreak havoc because when there's that loss of, when there's that loss and it's looking to fulfill that, it just, it doesn't just go to like one type of cell to like, it, it will take any molecule from nearby. Does that seem accurate where it'll just take whatever's nearby? It'll just take it. <laughs> like a magnet yes free radicals do not discriminate and some of the more common targets that they attack to help stabilize themselves can be your lipids nucleic acids proteins i mean kind of like what you said (laughs) they're just it's going to be a systemic um effect but yeah yeah, that's that's a whole free radicals is a big discussion um but it's talked about enough i don't think like even when i was in aesthetic school and in the med spa world we would hear about what to do about free radicals but I didn't understand how damaging they are and how it's kind of the beginning of a ton of breakdown, which is ultimately what we're trying to fight against in anti-aging. And I'm like, why are we talking about this more? Like, we really need things that are going to fight against those free radicals, you know? Well, first right. of all, free radicals sounds good and it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> the words yeah. sound so like, yeah, rad man, but it's not. No, it's definitely not. There's also another process that um, I had done some research about called advanced glycation end products, <laughs> so or AGEs. And the interesting thing about that is that they are they lead to similar outcomes in free radicals. They're like, um, but it's more sounds sounds more serious anyway. It's like the possible inhibition of skin cell growth. That sounds really intense. Like, and I know that I'm. I know in the nutrition community, there's conversations around glycation and what it does to our, the insides of our body, but there's, there's not a lot of conversation around. I mean, and that speaks to things like sugar. They sugar, talk about glycation yes. yeah, in inside the body, but did you also know that glycation also happens in your skin? <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's a lot of things that we could be doing 
for our skin. But let's talk a little bit about like what what what's like we know that retinols are a major part of the anti-aging community and skincare. Like, I mean, that was yeah. that was the the big hammer, the hard hitting. That's where I sent people that I felt like could handle um, really hard hitting anti-aging skincare um, for the longest time. I mean, in the skin skincare world, especially in the med spa world, I was the professional that guided people through how to use retinol and yeah. how to implement it into their skincare routine. Um, and this is where your article really drew me in your blog post that you wrote. It really drew me in was there is so much information about retinol. Not once was that brought up to me. Wow. You were never not once. kind of educated about the potential risks. and The only <laughs> risk I was ever talked about was irritation in the skin. Mm. Like, that makes me so upset because <laughs> I'm the one that's guiding people. I was the one that was guiding them through that process of how to build out a r- routine that would allow their skin to use retinol. Not once did I have that conversation or or even know to ask like what it was doing or what it could be doing to the body or, you know, who was it appropriate for? The only conversation it was is like, it's only it's appropriate for anybody that can handle the intensity of it was what I was told. <laughs> and wow. that is so untrue. And this is where I want to really dive into the information that you had written down because I this is exactly why I got into clean products. Was yeah. why is nobody telling me this? This is insane. I mean, and the the fact that you had to spend 40 hours to break down this information and make it easily digestible is just this is this is why I didn't know you know like I didn't have time who is who has time that works full time to break that down like that like you know so I'd love to hear what you what you had found through your research with retinol like sure what is it so retinol is an and an other retinoids so retinol is one of the um, over-the-counter versions. Um, and there are other retinoids that are prescription that are, um, the active form of vitamin A. Um, so that they're basically derivative derivatives of vitamin A and they okay. work with, um, retinoic acid receptors, uh, AKA vitamin A receptors in your body. And, um, basically they came into the market, I think in the like mid seventies, early seventies, I forget what year it was. And originally, um, they were used for, treating acne. And Mm. I, I think that the kind of history with, with the retinol use, I didn't dive that deep into like the ancient history of retinol. I was more interested in like what was happening now. (laughs) Right. But I think that they kind of like figured out that it also had these anti-aging effects of, um, boosting collagen, reducing Mm -hmm. hyperpigmentation, Mm -hmm. um, uh, causing a increase in, um, cell, uh, proliferation. I can't speak. I know proliferation. Um, That's like me and oxygenation. (laughs) (laughs) Or or not so much proliferation, but um, the basal cells uh, dividing and coming up to the surface. You have such a great way of describing that whole process of how it's basically the cell split. Yeah. And it's basically giving you these fresh new cells that Mm -hmm. look fresh and new, but they're also, they don't function very well. They're baby cells. They're babies. And (laughs) they're not mature. They're not very good at doing the protect protective job that your skin is designed to do. Um, mm-hmm. There's a reason why it's not the top layer. It's the bottom layer. Let's put it that way. 
Mm, yeah. So That's how I always thought of it was that it's it it needs that time of traveling through that turnover rate to mature and get its signaling and learn how to like do its job. Uh, and you know what's interesting? I was in the office that was giving prescriptions for this stuff. Mm. And as an esthetician, I worked under a doctor's license and essentially I was recommending and the doctor was approving through mm, this process wow. of people's needs. And um, not once was this stuff discussed with me either. <laughs> wow. Just to put that in your brain, if you're in an office and even if a doctor is prescribing these things to you, you have the right and you have the ability to question safety inside and out and if they don't have answers you have to be okay with saying it's okay if you don't know but I need you I need to ask if you know these things and being okay with doing the research I mean like Accutane was just starting to become questioned when I started to become an esthetician and so we started to slow down significantly on who we recommended it to and then the Mm. doctor prescribed it to um but because it used to be prescribed at nausea I mean it was like <laughs> it was crazy yeah. how many people were being prescribed it that it was probably not appropriate for and it's just it's it's fascinating how we know that it is over the counter you know it can be accessible in some some forms but then some of the prescription stuff is is not as is, it's still not being as carefully considered you know, it's it's not that different from the over the counter as far as the consideration goes. So we kind of have to be that gatekeeper for ourselves, which is crazy. But well, the pres- the prescriptions are much stronger, much more potent than the over the counter retinol. Which is crazy so because they're not being treated. They're treating being treated so similarly. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So you know, basically, the the various risks and concerns with retinol are it's not. It's not so bad to the point where doctors and dermatologists are saying, whoa, we need to like really be careful with this. But it's enough mm-hmm. that like I'm I'm of the mindset and I know you are too. It's like yeah. if we, have, we can question the safety of something, if we have concerns over, you know, whether or not this may lead to an increased risk of skin cancer, which is something that ret- retinol, crazy. topical retinol use has been um, linked to, you know, like if there's another alternative that we can use that is safer, like why not do that? You know? Um, so, so tell me a little bit about that. Like, why do you, did you find any information about why it's got cancer concerns? Well, there wasn't, there was a study, a FDA funded study that was conducted at the national center for toxicological research where they, uh, it's a huge document. It's like, I think it's like 200 pages long or something crazy. Oh my word. It's it's a novel. It's really <laughs> ginormous. Hang on. I actually have it pulled up here cuz I wanted to just like Oh my gosh. I was like the sentences are probably so hard to digest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it, look up the dictionary every few sentences. It's it's they I think they did a fairly good job of trying to keep it not too yes, 346 pages long. Oh my word. Of a a series of of studies looking at um different topical retinoids on oh, Now, cool. so the the caveat here is that they're doing this research on on animals. They're doing it on like hairless mice, mm-hmm. certain types of rats, and that's for ethical concerns. Like you don't want to say, "Hey, let's see if we can cause skin cancer in a human." 
Um, you don't just do that. You don't design a study around that. Um, but what, yeah. but what they saw is that, um, basically using topical, um, retinoids followed by UV exposure leads to, um, an increased risk and a promotion of tumor for formation. Oh, tumor. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. And what's really just so bizarre to me and so concerning is that there are so many sunscreens on the market now that include some form of a retinoid in the sunscreen itself. So you're so like oh, yeah. like like retinal palmitate is another form. So common. It's just, mm -hmm. it's a very common ingredient in lots of skincare products. And it can have this additive effect, like you're using lots of it and you're not wearing sunscreen and you're spending time in the sun. That's kind of, What? Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's not... I, I know. It's not good. I know. And that's the frustrating part is there's, there's several things that are drugstore products. That's usually the biggest the biggest culprit I've seen with really contradictory ingredients in the same formula where I'm like, like there are eczema creams that I, when, when I first started my research that I had to throw out because they were eczema lotions, but one or two ingredients in there were known to be eczema irritants. I'm like, Oh my gosh, how does this make any sense? Like, I, I and you know, when, when I, I will say when I was in my earlier esthetician days, I totally took stuff like that and because every now and then something like that would come across or I'd have a question with a skincare line that I was being trained on and I would ask the trainer a question about something and they would kind of brush off my question like you know there's there's certain things you know I'm not a cosmetic chemist is what they would say so I don't know the answer to that and I'd be like well I'm not a cosmetic chemist so I don't I guess I don't understand and I don't, I don't need to understand. That's fine. I understand the main ingredients and I understand the actives. And I guess that's the most important part, but that's not true. Like there, you know, you don't need to be a cosmetic chemist to have concerns about something and deserve answers for things like contraindicated ingredients like retinol palmitate in a sunscreen. Like why? Yeah. <laughs> why? Like, why is that in there? And if you don't know why that's in there, then I'm going to choose not to buy it. That's kind of my standpoint is... And retinol palmitate. So let me see if I can let me see if I can read these really quick. So there, just so you guys know, the different forms you're going to find in retinoids over the counter are things like retinol. Number one, retinol palmitate is the most common. It's the cheapest to manufacture. You're going to see that the off, really often. Retinol acetate. I've seen that one probably next most common. Retinol linoleate. Linoleate. Retinol propionate, and I cannot say this one, hydroxypinacolin retinate. So basically, if you see anything that says retinoate, retinyl, retinol, is enough to pause and go, what is this? Yeah. But then with the prescriptions, it gets a little, it's it's less clear with prescriptions. So like different exactly. is the brand name, um, but the drug, it's adapalene. And you wouldn't necessarily look at that and think that means ret retinoid, but it is. Um, yeah. but then you have like retin-A, which is tretinoin, which is kind of, but it's not quite. <laughs> and that one was the one we used most commonly. Yeah. I, used that I've, one most I've, I was prescribed tretinoin, um, for mm -hmm. acne and it was awful. <laughs> right? It was so irritating for me and I just couldn't use it. Um, and then you've got like isotretinoin, which is accutane and then yeah. tazarutine, tazarac. I'm not as familiar with that one. But I, I agree with you. It's like these are so irritating that 
I really had to walk the people like, hey, these are the possible benefits of what you're going to get from this product. Here's the pros and cons. And truth be told, when you've got someone with acne and they are so frustrated, they are like, I will do whatever you tell me to. Yeah. (laughs) Because I don't know what else to do. And I feel like who am I to judge like what kind of results they're looking for and how to get them there. Right. Same can be said for some anti-aging results. I mean, for the longest time, the retinoids that were on the market couldn't even touch, be touched by anything else. Right. There were no other ingredients on the market that could even come close to the anti-aging results or quite frankly, the acne results that people were looking for. And so the, the cons were kind of like, well, I'll just deal with it. It's kind of like, right. You know, whatever. Um, but something, um, something else that I wanted to discuss was some of your findings on like the irritating parts of the, so. Oh yeah. Well, hear these were the retinoid dermatitis. Like that sounds like, yeah, I, I should have used that phrase. (laughs) This could cause retinoid dermatitis. You know, I wish I had that phrase in my mind back in then. (laughs) Yeah. And it's basically, it can, characterized by like redness, dryness, irritation, itchiness, uh, just very sensitive skin, um, some like peeling and flaking. And it's um, it's a very common reason why people do not keep using um, retinoids is because their skin freaks out. It's, can't handle it's it. really uncomfortable and um, bas- not safe during pregnancy. Just saying. <laughs> well, the the pregnancy aspect has to do with um, contributing to like an excess of vitamin A in your system, and vitamin A mm-hmm. is a is a well known uh, teratogenic compound, meaning it causes birth defects if you have it in excess. Um, so that's why it's it's not advised um, to use even topically, right? Because you because it can absorb through your skin, and some of the prescriptions like Accutane is like what is it category X that the FDA where they like rate um, different things and categories whether it's safe for pregnancy or not, and it's like you cannot use this during pregnancy. Um, yeah, that was one of our questions of do you think that you could be pregnant? Yeah, you know because that was a lot of the things we used were contraindicated for pregnancy, like or breastfeeding even. Yeah, and I wish I would have looked at that more closely when I was in that world because. If it's not safe in pregnancy or breastfeeding for a topical application, that means it's going in your system in some regard, in some way, somewhere, or it's being, it's affecting your body systemically. Right. And it, I never put two and two together because I always assumed that, well, I'm not a doctor. I I guess there's a lot of things I don't understand, <laughs> but you are smart. You are brave. You are kind. You know, all these things. <laughs> you are smart. Like if, the, if you start to question it, question that, you know? Yeah. And then, so I wanted to talk a little bit about what the EWG is because the EWG was a huge, huge, if not the reason I got into clean products because that's how I found all of the information I was looking for on ingredients because I assumed that I was getting an allergic reaction to a specific ingredient and I was going to try to suss it out because I was starting to have reactions to products and um, that led me to the EWG so like the EWG is the environmental working group um, but they do a beautiful job of data collection and what I mean like can you tell me a little bit about their rating scale because you had mentioned to me that they changed a little bit or they had 
or some or they're constantly changing? Yeah. Well, so they're so they're a nonprofit, nonpartisan um, organization, and they just really care about protecting human health and the environment. Mm-hmm. Very noble cause. I actually originally found out about the EWG because they also do the Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 for produce. A lot mm-hmm. of people have heard about that. They, they, um, I think they, they test something or screen something like 50 of the most commonly available produce items for pesticide residue. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's cool. yeah. And so then they rate them, um, based on like the safest. And, and so this is conventionally grown produce, not organically grown mm-hmm. produ- produce. So basically it's kind of like a guide, like the clean 15 produce is like, go ahead and buy that conventionally to save some money and, you know, if you want to avoid pesticide exposure, try to buy organic or grow your own of the dirty dozen. Um, but yeah, they also do, they have this great thing called the skin deep database and mm, so, so important. Yeah. And, and they, they do a really great job of doing their own literature review and also looking at what, what does our country, um, say in terms of regulation about ingredients, which is very little <laughs> for a lot of Shockingly things small. Compared, yeah. compared to the rest of the world, especially Europe. But they also look at what other governments are, are doing in terms of ingredient regulation and restrictions and research even. I've seen like a lot of Canadian research on there. Yeah. Oh, they, they, they completely scan the, the available scientific literature and to look at what do we know about hazards, risks, and they break it down into a bunch of different categories. Let me just pull up. Um, I think that's my favorite part is that they, because I'm I'm not a scientist like you. I am a science hobbyist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a science hobby nerd. Like I really love it. I enjoy it. Um, but there's still so much. Like I didn't study terminology. Like it's really hard for me to break down scientific data without um, a modicum of like organization around what what's what what it's saying and so the ewg allows me to quickly glance at something so it's really important for me yeah and so they look at cancer they look at developmental and reproductive toxicity and then they look at allergies and immunotoxicity and just as a side note like allergies is a tricky area with like skin ingredients because just because somebody's allergic to something doesn't mean it's a dangerous ingredient for everybody, right? right. But mm-hmm. they do, like, they, I, I think the EWG does a good job of looking at how nuanced all of this information is because so true. a lot of things impact, and you could probably speak a lot about how the formulation of products can radically impact how your body is exposed to the ingredients in the formula, like all the like 100%. penetration mm-hmm. enhancers and mm-hmm. like whatever the active ingredient is in can have a big effect on like how it gets into your body and is used by your body. Um, yep. Whether certain and c- certain ingredients can combine and then turn into new compounds once they're mixed together, a compound that's mm-hmm. not going to be on the label. So that's like, you know, formaldehyde releasing preservatives that one blew my mind. Yeah. So like once it's in solution in the product, that's when it starts to release formaldehyde. So that's why the word formaldehyde is not on the label, even though it's in the product. Um, but yeah, they yep. they recently, re- I don't know when they revamped their website. I was um, actually, I, I'm kind of seeing this with fresh eyes today that they've they've updated their look. I 
to to give you these nice little. I think it was this summer, so it was while you were writing your book. So give yourself some oh. give yourself a break. <laughs> <laughs> wow, and I feel bad that I missed it for so many months, but <laughs> no. Oh man, you've been in the trenches. That's what writing a book does, man. <laughs> yeah, I kind of had no life except the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I and what I think is interesting about the website is that honestly, when I search, like for instance recently I decided that I was going to buy a conventional eyeshadow palette because I haven't bought conventional anything in three years. And, um, I kind of was like reemerging and being like, okay, what's, what's out there? How are things being formulated? Because I haven't even looked. So, so disappointed when I first went non-toxic that I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Um, that I was just like, I'm out. (laughs) I was like, I'm out. (laughs) And so recently I was like, you know, I'm, I want to see what's going on. And I was pleasantly surprised that there's things like fragrance has been taken out of quite a few different types of like eyeshadow palettes, which I'm like, why would, why do you need a fragrance in it anyway? And (laughs) things like parabens don't really need to be in there. It's not necessary. And like certain emollients that there are better alternatives. And so I'm seeing some like indie beauty brands are doing a little bit better job of their formulation. So I bought a palette and it's not perfect by any means. It's not, it's not perfect. It still has talc in there. And, um, we just, I just don't know if it comes with the contaminants that talc usually comes with um and it has mica and it's not that mica is necessarily an unclean ingredient it's just i don't i don't appreciate that most mica comes from children mining mica right that makes me really upset like so, basically slave labor child slave yeah, labor and i and i can't i can't with that like i i can't and so I will not be participating in products that have mica in it too often. However, we can't pull fully out of the market. I could do a whole episode on this, but I I used the EWG to highlight ingredients I didn't recognize and do a quick search on Google. And usually the EWG popped up like first or second on the Google search. And it allowed me to quickly see like, what is this? And what I appreciated about it is that I can see if there's a lot of data, if there's no data, or they, they did go with like none limited fair good yeah i think is the range that it's in that sounds right yeah and it's i appreciate that i can see that something may be rated a two but there's like very limited information so that means means that there's not a lot of data on this ingredient so i can look at it and go well it's being rated a two there's not a lot of information on it which means it's probably a new ingredient because you guys there are new ingredients so often that it's going to be impossible to have the data that's needed before it hits the market because there's no regulation around it. Mm. It doesn't have to be scientifically studied before it gets put on the market. Right. So, um, but tell me a little bit more about the EWG rating scale. Cause I want to talk about that with retinols and retinoids and things. Yeah. So they range from, um, is it one to 10? I think, yeah. I don't think there's a zero. Yeah. Um, so that's, right. <laughs> the, and then they have their own, um, certification process that you could kind of think of as kind of, uh, analogous to like the organic certification for food um, in, in that it's a third party process that involves a rigorous um, assessment of the products. Uh, they call it EWG verified. And it's it's uh, this nice little seal. If you go to their website, you can see what their little seal looks like, EWG verified. And it basically means that these products are meeting the, the absolute best um, they're ticking off all the boxes to be as safe as possible based on current available scientific evidence. Um, Which I so appreciate. And it's product to product because a lot of times certifications go around brand mm. and 
and then you know but it's product to product so it's like let's say for instance beauty counter has a new product that's coming the rest of the line is ewg verified but that new product isn't yet because it takes time for it to go through the verification process right i appreciate that (laughs) yeah and they i think they also require like um they can do like random audits and screenings to make sure there's not undisclosed ingredients or something because you know apparently that's more common than you would would think that can can happen um well it's like supply chain changes all the time like you can yeah. have a manufacturer who has a product that they've been buying from here and all of a sudden it becomes unavailable they have to switch over here to this yeah supply chain and who knows if they you know they don't know there's no they can for instance when you do business in china this has been my experience is you know getting products from china when you're making them they can tell you whatever they want And you have to trust what they're saying because you can ask for certification and they can literally lie out of their teeth and there is no recourse. Mm. There's no, (laughs) there's no recourse for that. That is crazy. And it's scary. It's a little scary. And if you think about all of the reasons that, and and the other thing is, is there's no reason for them to tell you the truth (laughs) because you don't have the ability to go out and test that to yourself. And so you have to just take their word for it and hope, you know what I mean? Mm. And so if you think about the supply chain issue, it makes a lot of sense that there needs to be random testing or, you know what I mean? Well, so. and that's what Beauty Counter does too, right? Like that's one of the yes. big things that I know you and I both appreciate about them is that they are obsessive about that and they do these random screenings and anyway. And they do physical audits. I didn't know this until recently. Like they physically travel the world to their supply chain yeah. and they do physical audits yeah and if they don't do physical audits they do phone audits as best as they can and i mean can you imagine the department that they have to have just for this (laughs) that is not any in any other company like other companies don't have this yeah because it's not one it's not required so it's a huge expense like huge expense just for the testing can you imagine the manpower it takes to like back it up sure yeah goodness but at the EWG, though, the one to nine scale, it's like one to three is usually got like a green symbol on it. And that means what? So that means it's basically like as safe as it can be. Um, there's okay. there's no uh, I think it's one to one and two. I'm looking at the scale right now. One and two are green. So they color code it to make it easy, like green, yellow, red. So. Oh, that's helpful. <laughs> you have EWG verified, which is like the best of the best. Um, now, a product may rate as a one and it may be it may be deserving of EWG verified, but maybe the company doesn't have the um, the ability to go through that process yet because they're they don't have the funds. They don't have the staff to deal with the paperwork, kind of similar to the organic um, certification. Like I know that I buy from farmers that it's like, you know, they say that they're better than organic. They don't have the certification just because it's, it's something else to keep up with. Like not to say that, not to say that the certifications are bad, but it's just a reality that it does take money and, um, you know, Uh, yeah, resources, resources, money, time to Mm -hmm. to go through with it. Um, so Yeah. yeah. So one and two, like basically that's my, I try to really just only buy things that are verified one or two and which yeah. means they are the safest. And then when you get in the, and transparent when they're EWG are verified, that's the part I love. That yes. means that there are, there's no word in fragrant fragrance. It's broken down like, right. Which I super appreciate because 
that's a big problem too. Right. That there could that's be a, like another episode. dozens of ingredients <laughs> that make up yeah. the word fragrance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the yellow range, um, three to six is kind of like moderate risks. And it may be because of, it may, it may be because of, um, ingredients. Like I mentioned earlier that they, they could be more commonly allergenic ingredients, which doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean they're dangerous for everyone, but they, you should just be aware that, you know, cause you know, plants cause allergies and we, we use a lot of plants in our skincare products. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, and essential oils especially can, can cause mm-hmm. reactions in people. So, um, mm-hmm. but it can also be for very legitimate health concerns, like, uh, m- maybe like weak evidence or maybe only one study showing, uh, a risk with, um, cancer or irritation or reproductive toxicity. Um, and then mm-hmm. the worst, um, is the red, which is seven, eight, nine, ten, and these are just like whoa. We really need to pause and examine why are Stop. we using this? <laughs> Do not pass go. <laughs> and I know that some of the ingredients that rank as like the worst, worst are actually contaminants, like um one four dioxane. It's like a contaminant mm-hmm. of like the manufacturing process. That's like a very potent carcinogen. And mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there are methods to manufacture ingredients that would eliminate that, but not everybody does that, especially maybe cheaper brands. Um, so anyway, it's just a... Well, I think what's interesting about this too is I don't know if I've seen products that have been in the red. Like I'm not sure, because I've come to think of it, this is just off the top of my head. I'm not sure I've seen ingredients that are seven, eight, nine, ten that are red really commonly. Like I may have seen, you know, it's, it happens a lot. But what I've noticed is, is this is something to keep in mind is that these products, these one ingredients are one of like, could be dozens, could be, you know, several dozens of ingredients in a product. And that changes the like the dilution, like where it's at in the ingredients list. You kind of briefly touched on that earlier of like how the ingredient works with other things. And that changes like the ingredient could be seven, eight, nine, ten. But the product that it's in is like a five or a six. It's like they could be like really concerning ingredients, but the product itself, I've never seen a product really rated very bad. I think I've seen some sevens come to think of it, but yeah, I've seen some, I've seen a few, but you're right that it's rare that the whole product itself is rated as in the red, but it it, it has happened. And I've, right. I'm trying to think of what I've seen. Um, I know it's I, I I know it was something that's like a drugstore product that you can find at the drugstore, right. but now I can't remember. I wouldn't be surprised if there's certain SPFs out there that are rated high like that because SPFs not only do they have like chemical sunscreens that are rated really badly on the list, but they have other ingredients that are. And when that's the thing I appreciate about the EWG though is that like, usually like talc has a high concern. I haven't looked it up to see what number it is in a while, but talc is usually a, of a concern because of the contaminants that typically come it comes with asbestos asbestos which is i mean everybody knows that word it's very bad for you especially because talc is used in a lot of like loose powder products that we breathe in yeah right so talc is of high concern but it also depends on how you use it it also depends on how it's sourced and has it been tested because it's possible to test it to find out if there's asbestos attached to it or not and and so for me, I look at talc and I'm like, okay, does this person manufacture it safely? Like, do they look to see if it has asbestos in it? Like, I know Beauty Counter uses talc and I'm okay with that because I know that they get asbestos certified free. And I know that they check up on it 
you know what I mean? They don't just say, oh, yeah, we're totally asbestos free. It's not on our label. It's like, well, why would you put asbestos on your label? Nobody's going to do that, (laughs) you know, like because nobody's required to test for it. So I'm like, which is part of my reason why I'm a little uncomfortable with buying conventional eyeshadows because most of them have talc in it. But just going back to that, when you shop for these things, this, this actually brings me back to the retinoids a little bit. So like the retinols, when you are looking at that on the scale, where does retinol lie in that one to 10 as just an ingredient? So before they updated the site, they had it rated as a nine. Um, But since the update, Mm. the range is six to nine, depending on usage. So you know what, I, I think it's really helpful. Um, and it's just a kind of an example of that. They're always kind of reviewing the best available data and looking at the nuances of formulations and how it's used and who's using it. Um, Mm -hmm. so, but that's still red danger zone. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that's important to note that that's how science should be. Science should always be changing. Oh, we're learning. Yeah, of course. Right. That's, that's kind of the function of it. It's not definitive. Yeah. It's like we're we're constantly learning things. So used to be a nine. Now it's a six to nine, still in the red. It's very much still in the red. Um, so why is it why is it in the red? Well, it's because of kind of what we already talked about, the um reproductive toxicity risk due to potentially contributing to an excess of vitamin A that can cause severe birth defects. Um, to, because of the studies, the FDA studies that showed that it can promote tumor formation when you expose the skin to UV rays, um, even at low dosages. Oh, very low. Yeah. It it doesn't, that's the hard part. Yeah. It's very low. (laughs) Um, and then also just the, uh, the whole retinoid dermatitis, um, Mm -hmm. uh, irritation, you know, that's, that's your skin saying this is not, this is not working for me right now. And so you in your blog post, you'd written about how um, this it activates the same receptors and as chili pepper. Yeah. Is that, is that real? Really? <laughs> yeah. It's called. Like, what? It's the, the, no wonder it hurts. The TRPV1 receptor, which if anybody cares, transient receptor potential channel vanilloid subtype number one, which I love it, which is the same, um, the same receptor that capsaicin, which is that, you know, the pungent spicy ingredient in chili peppers, that's what it binds to to cause pain and burning. <laughs> and, and, and because of that, because of it being an, an irritant, they, um, it, uh, it's been shown to upregulate um, pro-inflammatory cytokines. So cytokines are just a type of signaling molecule that your immune system uses this is that's a big topic. This is very very yeah. I'm simplifying this a lot, but um, Thank you. <laughs> different types of cytokines can be involved in increasing inflammation, which sometimes you want that. Like sometimes your immune system yeah. needs to increase inflammation, like when you're fighting a virus, like me right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that's part of how you get well, um, and they can also be anti-inflammatory cytokines. And but the problem there's a there's a big problem when there's kind of unchecked. Uh, pro-inflammatory cytokines. That's a, they're actually, uh, this is the hallmark of a lot of autoimmune diseases is that you have mm-hmm. chronically elevated levels of certain of these pro-inflammatory cytokines. Um, also, a lot of um, age-related diseases that are inflammatory diseases mm-hmm. like Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. type 2 diabetes, heart disease, these are all linked to increased levels of pro-inflammatory cytokines. Um, mm, okay. 
And that's super interesting because I know that applies to my son who's got a lot of inflammation in his system, but it's, we just don't know where it's being stimulated from. Yeah. So in this case, if we know that retinoids cause an uptick of pro-inflammatory cytokines, that means it's being stimulated, like we're stimulating it to ourselves. Right. It's like, so, so what's interesting to me, so, and, and also I want to back up and say that there are actually some studies that have shown some of the prescription retinoids to have an anti-inflammatory effect effect in the case of acne because acne is inflammatory, right? And so you're, you're quelling that mm-hmm. inflammation from the acne. But what I'm talking about here is this reaction that your skin has to the retinoids that and and they think that it's through this activation of the same receptor as chili peppers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what's interesting mm-hmm. though, and, and we talked about this a little bit in the Gua Sha episode about the the concept of inflammaging, which sounds like a made up yes. word, but it's not. It's a it's a yeah. it's a very real thing that scientists study <laughs> and look at. And and mm-hmm. and we talked about that study that looked at moisturizing your skin causing this dramatic anti-inflammatory effect on your body. In, yeah. in, in, that blew my mind. Yeah. So it's just kind of weird to me to think about like, you know, inflammation is kind of on purpose. <laughs> well, but inflammation is a sign. It's kind of what happens as we age, like inflammation yeah. kind of refers to this somewhat inevitable, just rise in this background inflammation that we experience because we're aging. And mm-hmm. we kind of now know that a big part of that may be due to our skin, changes in our skin. Because if you think about it, like it's a huge organ. And people, yeah. it's kind of easy to... The biggest one. It's kind of easy mm-hmm. to forget that it's an organ, just like your liver, just like your lungs. Um, mm-hmm. And like you were talking about earlier on today about the changes and the, the disruption in the moisture barrier. Um, mm-hmm. Like all of this leads to low-grade inflammation. And... Yeah. Um, Anyway, it just seems kind of nuts to me to like add something in the name of quote anti-aging that's then contributing <laughs> to inflammation. It's like, but wait, inflammation causes aging. So I don't know. It seems counterintuitive. It just makes me ask questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. I think the more questions we have, the more um, opportunities we have for innovation. And honestly, I think this was really interesting. You had quoted a dermatologist in your article and they said um the main function of the top layer of the skin is to protect us to keep us away from environmental factors i mean you heard me say this right yeah and he says the more retinol you put on the poorer the barrier function becomes i think that's really important to know that when a dermatologist or like a professional is willing to like say something so definitive like that and yeah that take note he also says this is why a lot of people feel that their skin is very sensitive and experiencing peeling flaking and irritation and the other thing that i think is interesting is that he had said we don't live forever so if you plaster way too much retinol on in your 20s 30s and 40s you could be depleting all of those healthy cell divisions that you really should be storing for cell divisions further down your lifetime like this is something that i briefly started to like dive into right before i left the med spa world was cell division because I wanted to know more about it. I mean, if that's what we're asking, I mean, ultimately that's what retinoids are doing is they're talking about that cell split at the bottom. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's creating an encouragement of faster cell split. Yep. Exactly. That's like what exactly what retinol is doing or retinoids are doing on your skin is 
because what is it about every 26 days the cells turn over on your skin it's, it could be 26 to 57 days and it spreads out longer as we get older because uh, it slows down yeah and so when we're at our youngest the 26 day thing applies but as we get older it gets slower so you'd think that this would be helpful it's like well i'm returning back to my youth but he says in here the skincare industry is taking us into a massive experimentation of the population, he went on to say. They're just interested in the short-term marketing of the products. We don't know what will happen with prolonged excessive use. Right. Because your cells there's, it, your cells can only divide a finite number of times. and Which <laughs> I knew that too, which is why I started to look into it because I was like, okay, I was told that in my early education that, you know, our cells don't live forever. They're going to, they're only going to split so many times. Yeah. And I'm like, but wait we're asking it to speed up a lot. <laughs> like what is Right. Anyway, and-, and I I tried to see if there were any studies that had looked at people cuz you know like I said that you know retinoids have been used topically since the 70s. So that's right. what is that almost that's enough time. 50 years of um of use, but I don't know, I couldn't find and I, Granted, this I didn't do like an aggressive deep dive, but I couldn't easily. I mean, I, I I really tried to find anything that looked at like very long term use of retinoids and like what does that look like? What do we? I know. Like, I hope that there's stuff being done now because there's such an opportunity there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- these studies refer to long quote long term use as six to twelve months, and I'm like, no, what happens when oh. you're using it for that many years <laughs> or oh, or decades? <laughs> I know people that have been using retinoids for like 10, so... Yeah, or longer. I'm pretty sure I know yeah. some people who've been using them for multiple decades. Yeah, yeah, because it, it it literally was the gold standard, or is, it's still the gold standard of anti-aging. And because there's so many different derivatives, you could get a derivative of retinol, like a retinoid, in smaller dosage. Keep that in mind, that in small doses, dosages, it encourages... Term, tumor use when exposed to UV rays, but you get small dosages of these um, derivatives, you could get it in every step. You could get it in your cleanser. You could get it in like a toner. You could get yeah. it in a moisturizer. You could get it in an SPF and you're exposed to it on so many different levels that it makes you go, maybe we should take a look at this a little bit more. And I just, I, I, I just cannot believe that there, there are even doctors like this is starting to become mainstream guys <laughs> that are getting concerned about this. And so what do we do about it? So we know that we, we still want anti-aging efforts. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely there. Like I'm definitely that place where I'm getting fine lines that I didn't have five years ago. I, I, my skin texture is changing so much very rapidly compared to comparatively speaking. And I've been aware of anti-aging skincare for almost 13 years like I've been using it off and on for 13 years and I'm still like you can't stop aging however I would like to age on my own time a little bit thank you so like what kind of I've noticed that there are some there's a huge conversation around bucuchiol yeah like bucuchiol is first of all it's fun to say (laughs) (laughs) it is fun bucuchiol and like your article really broke down bucuchiol beautifully like i would love to hear what you found about bucuchiol like what are some of the favorite findings that you had from that yeah so i i first learned about bucuchiol through beauty counter because they adopted that as their one of their primary active anti-aging ingredients in their new counter timeline and so i immediately started you know let's go to pubmed and see what i can find out and you and i at conference we were like (laughs) (laughs) 
And I got so giddy because I'm all about Chinese medicine. I mean, I'm, that's no secret. Yeah. I talk about Chinese medicine yes. and how it's helped me. Um, I'm just such a huge fan of everything about it. It's given me, given me my life back in so many ways. But mm. it's mm-hmm. derived from a traditional Chinese herb, a, a herb used in traditional Chinese medicine as, as well as Ayurvedic medicine. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Ayurvedic too. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Oh, yeah. And it's been used – like so the seed itself, it's the babchi seed um, – Mm. I forget the the Sorolea corifolia, I think is the name of the plant. Um, I am so impressed that you said that so quickly. <laughs> I have to say these those words so slowly. <laughs> I'm just surprised I remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> Which goes to show how much research you've done. <laughs> but it basically the whole seed has been used for, you know, centuries to reduce inflammation and to treat mm-hmm. a ton of different skin conditions. This is what I found very interesting that it's been used as a treatment. There's actually this is actually a thing um vitiligo, you know, the, the autoimmune, like depigmentation of the skin that happens in Mm -hmm. patches, splotchy patches. The, the babchi seed is one of the main ingredients in a treatment in Chinese medicine for that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And that speaks to the melanocytes you guys heard me talk about earlier. We were, melanocytes create that. And so, and a lot of times overstimulation can cause inflammation in that area. A lot of times inflammation causes pigmentation issues whether it's hypo or hyper Mm -hmm. so hypo meaning no pigmentation hyper meaning more pigmentation yeah so this makes a lot of sense yeah but it's also been used to treat um things like eczema um and even leprosy (laughs) say what um but bakuchiol itself as an extract from the babchi seed or the sorolea corifolia I think I said that right. Um, but it's <laughs> it has uh, purported anti-inflammatory, antibacterial. Um, it's a potent antioxidant. And what's mm. what's really interesting to me is that there's some recent evidence that it could be uh, an effective anti-cancer agent, which maybe one day we might see it used as a like skin cancer treatment, possibly. Like, wow. Yeah. W- I wonder if it's a great like protector against those kind of things over like a long prolonged use. I mean, this is just. I, you guys, there's, this is not for sure. I just makes me, I'm, I'm riffing. Oh here. yeah. I, at this point, the research, like the modern scientific research, not the like historical use, like we have these mm-hmm. many, this, this long history of use of, um, this, the whole ingredient. And then, I mean, the whole herb basically. And then now we're kind of just, it's, it's really in its infancy, this, this, um, scientific mm-hmm. information. Um, but it's all very, very interesting and very compelling, I think. Um, and speaking of like protective effect over time, I, I asked that too. I'm like, I wonder if it's like a, just like a good thing to be, to have in, in, in your skincare. But yeah, one of the studies that I, that I did come across, that was very interesting. You asked me like, what are some of the favorite things I found? It's like, everything is my favorite. Cause it's also cool, yes. but there, how dare you make me ask? There was, <laughs> like, I'm going to make me pick. I can't pick. There was one, I'm like, that. <laughs> there was one study that, um, that that found that using topical bakuchiol um, actually reduced the redness that would appear, like basically lessen the severity of a sunburn or lessen the like the the the, the effects of being out in the sun. So it's like wow. the opposite of retinol. And I think we got a little ahead of ourselves. What we should what's important about bakuchiol is that it's it has been shown in both lab studies, so like skin culture studies and randomized controlled clinical trials to have basically the same effects as retinol, but without mm-hmm. 
the concerns without the risk of vitamin A overload without Which guys. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. That's I, I like it. when I say retinols and retinoids are a gold standard, I mean it. Like the interesting thing about that is like people have tried for a very long time, as long as I've been an esthetician to match retinoids and retinol in anti-aging efforts. And the fact that there are studies that can match that say, because a lot of times studies would be like, it can, it has anti-aging properties. That's the best that they could say. But the fact that it could match it is bonkers. Yeah. So it was actually um, from this year in 2019, um, and it was a study out of UC Davis um, published in the British Journal of Dermatology. So this is like legit, you know, it's like, yeah, um, it's like, that's like big studying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's got good qualifications. I mean, it was a, it's 44 people and they did it for 12 weeks. So, you know, it's a relatively small sample size, but mm-hmm. um, they looked at basically Bacuchiol versus retinol and they looked at wrinkles, pigmentation, and importantly, how well tolerated the treatments were because we've already talked about how retinol is not well tolerated because it causes mm-hmm. that dermatitis reaction. Um, mm-hmm. And basically they found that Bacuchiol significantly reduced the surface area involvement of fine lines, decreasing them by 5% at four weeks, six and a half percent at eight weeks and a whopping 19% at 12 weeks. Wow. I mean, that's a big difference. You know, what's really interesting is so my mom is 65 so she started using uh, the counter timeline. And if you guys don't know, counter time is from Beauty Counter and it has Bacucciol in it. It has, has a beautiful complex in it that's wonderful. But Bacucciol specifically, I think, is really interesting. She started using this line and she has been eating more clean for the last two years. So, like, she has a lot less systemic inflammation. There's just a lot less going on in her body than there was two and a half, three years ago. But for the last, you know, two years, she's been using cleaner products because she was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and said, you know what, I'm just going to clean up everything. She watched me go through it and was like, you know, help me guide through it. She's been using clean products. She's been using anti-aging. She's been using the overnight resurfacing peel to help with her efforts and things like that. But when she introduced the, she's tried all the eye creams in our, in beauty counter. (laughs) And when she introduced counter time, I took really consistent pictures. I have never seen someone have the results that she got on specifically the fine lines around her eyes that my mom got in four months. Wow. Like, and she struggled with rosacea most of my life. And so, which is like incredibly difficult on this. It's really hard on the skin having rosacea. It's like this constant flux of inflammation and flushing and redness and broken capillaries. And you can imagine if you struggle with that your whole life, the breakdown that it would happen in your skin, yeah. you know? And so um, I took really detailed pictures and it was literally like we watched the lines like recede. Wow. She's like, I have better skin now at 65 than I did in my mid forties. That's amazing. And I was like, that blows my mind. Like, do you know how hard it is to do that? That's incredible. It's so hard. And yeah. And so I actually am a former rosacea sufferer. It's in, I guess it's in remission is the term for it. But I know, yeah. I know how miserable and how much inflammation yeah. and, and irritation. So that's incredible that she's been able to use it and mm-hmm. it's totally helped her. The results. Yeah. Without irritation. I mean, even your results, like the, the side by sides that you had. 
that the little little line recession that you had <laughs> in your 11 line right there was like I don't think people understand. Like, <laughs> that's actually what I did. I, I was in charge of the before and after pictures for most patients as they walked in. Mm-hmm. So I would review them at the end of the day and make sure that they had quality. Even if I didn't take them, if other people in the spa took them, I, I was the quality assurance mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. And um and then when we would have like a follow up appointment with somebody after their treatment was over, we would review their before and afters. Uh, It's really common to ha- not have results within even six months Mm. of many treatments so to see a receding fine line in three to four to six months is with just skincare yeah not a treatment not high-powered laser treatments not like not you know major resurfacing and things like that yeah just daily skincare is so incredible so incredible like i can't even (laughs) I get really nerdy about it. But I, I think that it's important to tell how wonderful Bakuchiol could be. Yeah. Well, and you know what? It's really helpful for me to hear you say that as a skin, like an esthetician. And you're like, mm-hmm. it's not a clinic, is it? It's not like clinic. It's professional experience, I guess. Or is it clinical? Yeah. Like what? It's technically clinical. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I was under a doctor's right. care. Okay. But, so yeah, clinical um, experience of like, what do you, what can you expect? And then to now learn that there's a safer alternative that's just as effective that is incredibly well tolerated and uh-huh. um could possibly you know end up being a a cancer treatment at some point down the road like like a safe one like a safe one not a not like that blows my mind yeah it's really in the best way <laughs> have you come across anything that made you kind of think maybe it was a con or it could be a con in any way of bakuchiol yeah well, I mean, I guess the real con is that the the, the evidence is not super robust. Um, we're looking at mm. data really from like the last 10-ish years or so. Um, so like we have these studies, there's a lot of promise, but we need more. Like we need larger, we need larger studies. We need more long-term studies. Um, and Which is actually a huge indication of like the problem in how slow things are to change. I mean, if yeah. we've had studies for 10 years, but we're, I've only heard about Bakuchiol through Beauty Counter this year, but since then I'm seeing there, I've seen multiple lines that tout Bakuchiol in it. And do you know, and for how long it takes to formulate those products, they've probably been formulating this product. Actually, I know they've been formulating this product for at least two years, maybe three. Yeah. They've been talking about the formulation of this. So for the last two to three years, they've been formulating this product and based off of a study that they had they study findings that they had seen for the last six to seven years you can see how slow things are to change yeah and but that's i'm okay with that as long as it's like legit data like you know what i mean right and the other thing that makes me very comfortable with it though is that it does have this very long history of use in these traditional um forms of medicine with chinese medicine and ayurveda um Mm -hmm. that that is that can just kind of speak to uh a good safety profile. Um, although, True. you know, it is important to, to recognize that when you're extracting one part of a plant versus like the whole plant, you know, it, things mm. change. Like True. there are other, mm. there are a lot, tons of other active compounds in the seed itself. And so we're just taking out one, but mm-hmm. um, I think important thing to note. <laughs> sure. And that's just, you know, part of moving knowledge forward is, you know, you, you don't always have all the answers in the beginning, but you, you start with some evidence that it's all looking very promising. There's nothing concerning and it's effective. So 
Yeah. Let's <laughs> this is super Let's effective. go with it. I just I I can't believe it. Like my mom when we first started it, she goes, "Should we take pictures?" And I'm like, "That's a great idea." <laughs> yeah. We should take some pictures cuz I've been doing anti-aging for the last 13 years. I wouldn't be a great before and after because it'd be difficult to see. I'm still pretty young yeah. as far as it goes, but her results have been amazing. Yeah. The the one thing that I this is all kind of what I've noticed because I've done so many skin consultations from consultants that cuz I I'd probably do like three to seven skin consultations a week and probably 80% of the people I talk to are consultants that have been using um, counter time with the Bucuccial in it for either since early spring or since like early summer and it's been really interesting I want to keep some data on this eventually but certain skin types seem to struggle with the skincare line in general. We don't know what ingredient it is. We don't know if it's Bacuchiol. We don't know if it's the other, like the Swiss Alpine Rose. Like there's just a lot of ingredients in these products. But like combo skin that has great oil production, but they might need some cell turnover rate, seem to really struggle with this line. And so I want to give people permission to get excited about the ingredient, but still use the knowledge that you have for like how to formulate a skincare regimen around your needs. You know, don't go like full bore into counter time if you're not quite sure if it's the right line for you. However, getting the reason why I really like the opportunity of counter time is Bucuccial is in every step, mm-hmm. which again is really unusual. Typically, you're going to find the the special sauce, so to speak, <laughs> in one step yeah. in a regimen. And and so if you can't tolerate that one product, you're out of luck, then you lose the benefit of it. But Bacuchiol, because it's anti-inflammatory, it's safer, they have they've noticed that it's got the antibacterial, the the potent antioxidant factor to it means that they can put it in every step that let's say you can't use the oil. Well you can use the essence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So when you're shopping for a Bacuchial product, just make sure that you know that that product is still going to be appropriate for you in your regimen because there are opportunities to get it in other parts of your regimen and still get the benefits from it. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, you pointed this out to me. There are some up and coming ingredients. Like there's some ingredients that are starting to get some attention that are on the cleaner end possibly have some great benefits as well like can you tell us a little bit about what you found oh yeah well basically i just found out that bacuchiol is not the only like safer um plant-based retinol alternative that like functions like retinol but without the harmful side effects um and and again i found out about it because of beauty counter (laughs) they're just so cutting edge (laughs) with no (laughs) i mean they really are with with the with the way that they um they really are review um with their science team basically um so so it's called biden's pelosa um it's a type of aster flower um also known Mm. as the blackjack flower and Mm. um it's so funny it's like such funny timing because i was just thinking about Okay, I'm doing all this great anti-aging on my skin, but what about my lips? What about my lips? Uh-huh. Because I'm starting to lips. see some, you know, signs of aging there and around. And, you know, I bring my products, like, to the edge. And, like, sometimes I do let my, like, facial oils get a little bit on my lips. But I don't want to eat them necessarily. But, like, I'm like, right. I need something anti-aging <laughs> lip care. And then, what do you know, Beauty Counter comes out with um, an anti-aging lip balm in a stick, basically. Um part of so cool. right right now when we're recording this it's one of the special holiday items i'm really hoping that they make it like permanent collection permanent? 
Oh my gosh, I love my stick <sighs> so much. I'm going to have to hoard so, so them much. to make sure because yeah. I've been using it. What's crazy is I've been using this lip balm um, basically every day since I got it, like, I don't know, maybe like six or eight weeks ago. Um, I can't remember when we got our holiday stuff, but I normally this time October. of, yeah, I normally this time of year, um, it's, you know, we're right before Thanksgiving. I would normally have been dealing with severely chapped lips for weeks now. And my lips have not been chapped. They have been so smooth. They have felt so hydrated. And I, I've tried so many lip balms, believe me. It's not for like lack of hydration. Mm -hmm. Like I drink a lot. I drink my, I drink lots of water. I'm very aware. And I use other lip balms (laughs) that I've never had anything work this well. And to, and I really think because it, you know, it's again, it's a, it's a, um, also antioxidant, anti-inflammatory and shown to behave like retinol, um, because it increases collagen and elastin. Um, it's just like another great plant-based safer alternative. Yeah. And this is in the better balm duo. It's also in, um, another, it's the better balm. You'll see it in a stick too, but they've got it in a, a tinted one that's got a little bit of a berry color to it which is beautiful it's so on the pretty lips, by the way yeah it's so pretty and then the other one I've been using it on my daughter and interestingly enough she we've been dealing with like an eczema type breakout around her lips for as long as I can remember and it comes and goes but it's it especially comes on full force in like fall mm. and um I think think that I'm going to buy this set for her because <laughs> honestly she's all constantly trying to use my lip my lip glosses and things like that but this has helped tremendously on her eczema breakouts because it turns into these vertical lines and cracks and bleeds oh. if we don't yeah and it's really frustrating she picks at it because it's hard mm. and you know having that crusty hard feeling or that yeah and she's six you guys like she's it's difficult to get her to stop I mean it's difficult to get adults to stop picking a little on a child so <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, I'm thinking I'm just going to get her this better balm. And I love the fact that it's got this anti-inflammatory factors to it. And the fact that her skin probably needs a little bit of cell turnover encouragement, at least like anti-inflammatory. So it'll turn over. Yeah. But I'm looking at the ingredients right now. And one of the things that I love about it is there's so much to it. There's, there's several different types of oils. I can see the Biden's Pelosa extract in there. I can see where everything is. And guys, it's got orange peel oil in it. Oh, it's so good. Like, (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's like Christmas in a bottle. Like really, like I genuinely was like, is this like, it's like orange fur forest all in one. Cause some some people think it's like orange Tic Tacs. It is like Christmas to me. There's something about it. That's very like foresty. I can't put my finger uh. on it, but it's like the orange peel. It's got this warm tech, like warm smell to it. I just love it so, 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 so much. And that's what's in this product. So I'm like, you know what? I, I think it's really interesting. So the the new lip stuff products that have the orange in it, like seriously, I smell. You can see me on video right now. I do this. I smell yep. my own lips. <laughs> like, and I know I look ridiculous, but it's like, oh, it's just I love the way it smells. Okay, but <laughs> I know it was totally unexpected. We didn't know we were getting a new smell or any kind. Like I was expecting peppermint again because they usually do that in the holidays, which I'm really glad they don't because I have several customers who can't use peppermint. I don't like peppermint. So. It, I love peppermint. I feel like it. I well, I like the smell of it, but on my lips, I feel like it dries me out. Like, I feel like. Very possible. I feel 100%. I feel like it's just, yeah. Could be kind of irritating for a lot of people, too. I mean. Yeah. Um, a lot of people use peppermint oil as a stimulation for, like, fuller looking lips, too. It's like, depending. Mm. I mean, with Beauty Counter, their stuff was so low on the list that it probably didn't do that for a lot of people. But depending on how sensitive you are to it and 
thus and such. But I think it's really interesting to see that there are companies that are innovating and they are and you know there are more companies like biosense is another company that i really love they are doing a lot of great things around antioxidant efforts i know that there are other companies that are making products with bakuchiol in it that are also ewg verified so i'm like there are people that are trying yeah it's very expensive (laughs) it's very expensive but hopefully these groundbreaking efforts will allow the way for it to be more readily available in the market because the more it gets used the more it gets bought the more it gets made the more it gets harvested the cheaper it gets it's a supply and demand thing so it's like if we show that we want it it will be made there will be more it will get cheaper hopefully over time yeah is is the the, the whole thought process around it so Well, shoot, we've been talking for a long time. (laughs) We have. (laughs) I so appreciate you coming on this podcast. Like, it means a lot to me that I can have this, like, deep dive nerdy conversation. And we can just put this information out there. So I so appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm down to have nerdy conversations (laughs) whenever you want to. (laughs) Good, because I'm probably going to ask you to do this again. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.